Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoik. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books. We're happy to have you with us as we close out 2023 with our final episode of the year. Uh, Anna, I was thinking, and we talked a little bit about this with our author guest today. Our author guest, by the way, is Greta Kelly, who writes fantasy science fiction books. And we also talked to Tara Nunn from our Robbinsville branch. But when we were talking to Greta, we were kind of upfront with her and we admitted that neither one of us was a big fantasy sci-fi person. But then I was thinking about it and I and I got to say that before behind the books, I don't know that I'd ever read a fantasy science fiction book. But over the course of our podcast, I think I've not only read a few, but I've come to enjoy some of them. Some of the authors like Elise Kova and Addie Thorley that we've had on, uh Jennifer Eastep and uh Jessica Lewis, right? They all write in that genre. I've read their books and I've liked them. So what I was kind of wondering from your perspective, have you had anything that we've like, are, do you have anything similar to that where maybe you didn't particularly read a lot of a certain genre, but you know, from going, talking to some of these authors and looking at their books, have you picked up anything new in terms of what you like to read? You know what I have. And I think that either it's been, kind of looking through the books that of the authors that we talked to, but they also something I always appreciate is when authors talk about authors that they enjoy. And it's usually around that same genre, whether it's someone who influenced them or um, someone who they feel they're in the same uh, category with. So I think that, I mean, I don't recoil but I definitely have, I'm trying to think, I have read a couple of fantasy books on my own volition. Like it hasn't been for a book club. It hasn't been um, even one of the authors that necessarily one of the authors we've talked to, but I feel like I am more open to uh, trying it because I always feel like I'm missing out on something. Cause I have, we have so many coworkers who really like fantasy. I remember when we were talking with um, Lydia Weltman from administration, you know, who's also doing writing fantasy. So I'm like, you know, they're so passionate about it. I'm like, what am I missing out on? So I am taking that plunge. I'm dipping my toe, so to speak. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Cause I, even though, you know, we kind of told Greta Kelly when we started the interview that we were both kind of newbies to fantasy, I do feel like lately, I guess that is a newbie, you know, when you've been a, a, around as long as we have and you're not just starting to read them, but, uh, I actually enjoy the book, so and I enjoyed her book too. So it'll be uh, nice that people get a chance to hear us talk to her. We got a nice episode set for you all today, and we're going to start it off with our conversation with Tara Nunn from our Robbinsville branch. we take the time to talk with the staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today, we are talking with Tara Nunn, who works in the circulation department at the Robbinsville branch. Tara, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. No problem. 
So how we kind of want to start out is we kind of get warmed up um, talking a little bit about what you do at the branch. What is like your daily kind of um, workload? Well, every day is a little bit different, which um, makes it fun and interesting. Um, but uh, it depends on whether you're working during the day, whether you're working the evening. But like today, since I came in early, I did the book drop first thing. <laughs> which is fun. And sometimes you'll um, pull the holds off the shelf, which is another uh, fun thing to do. Pulling the expired holds. But beyond the regular tasks, I'm a notary. So I do that at the branch. Um, I do the book repairs. And I also review registration cards for accuracy. So you're a notary. And now, is that something that you had done before, or is that something you volunteered to do for the branch? <laughs> um, it is not something I did before. Um, I think I was chosen because of my my background, my legal background. So <laughs> I think that that's what gave me that job. And so, so now we're going to lead right into <laughs> we have to follow up. We have to follow up with that and have you tell us a little bit about your legal background before you got to the library. So I actually have a law degree. When I was in college, um, my job actually was working in interlibrary loan in the library. Um, so I, I've always worked in a library. Um, when I was in law school, I worked in the law school library as well. <laughs> so um, I, I have almost for the last 30 years worked in a library. <laughs> it, it's it, the, the path has not been direct. So I worked in the interlibrary loan when I was in undergrad. Then I worked in uh, the in between. I took a year off in between college and law school. Um, and I actually worked in the interlibrary loan department at Princeton University as well. Um, and then <laughs> while I was in law school, I worked in the law school library and continued working there actually after I graduated um, part time. So I, I was a full time lobbyist and a part time library assistant. <laughs> so the organization that I worked for worked with uh, police officers. And so I would talk to them on a regular basis and I always felt like they were out doing something fun and I was sitting in the office. And so I decided to actually go to the police academy, <laughs> which, you know, it does relate to my law degree and it's just a different coming at it from a different angle. So I, I did that for almost five years. Some years down the road, I got married, I had a daughter, um, and I then was staying at home, which I, the best two years and three months of my life was the, the time I got to spend home with my daughter. Um, we, we went to every playground, we went to every library, like I think in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> we, we went someplace different every day. It was so much fun. Uh, but then it, you know, it came time to to start back to work. And uh, since I was in the library so much with her when she was little, um, I decided to go back to my roots and go back to working in a library. So that's how I ended up back um, in a library again. <laughs> 
and uh, and I've been here for seven years, just over. You almost feel like no matter where you were going, at some point you were going to be back at the library, right? Because even when you were doing those other things, you always had the library there kind of at your side, right? So it seems like from what you were saying that eventually you kind of, did you kind of feel like eventually this is where you were going to end up? I, I did. I wish I had realized that way back when I was in law school and I would have gone to grad school to get my master's in library science at the time. It would have been a convenient time to do it. But, uh, but I didn't realize it then, um, you know, it's years of experience knowing now um, where I'm meant to be. It's very funny because I think, well, I just know when I was in library school, there were quite a few people who had done their JDs and they, and I don't know, but I mean, there is like a, there's a, there's a relation there with the law and, and information literacy, right? With, with working with information. So I think I can totally see those two things hand in hand. And I think it'd be interesting working in a law library. I have a feeling though, I think a public library is a little bit more active. Yes. I I think the law school library, you pretty much had people just coming in for the most part who were students. Um, We, we didn't have a lot of people coming in that, that weren't students. So it pretty much was, I mean, the research that was being done varied, but it was still students coming in for the most part. I was just going to say versus in a public library, you have people coming in for all sorts of different resources and reasons. And, you know, there's a, a lot more variety, right? A lot more group study, I think, going on, you know, in a law school library, a lot more, you know, paper writing and research that's more independent. I can say that I think a lot of people think that libraries are quiet places, and (laughs) they oftentimes are not. Um, We would always joke back when I worked in interlibrary loan in college that we had the most fun, we were the loudest, (laughs) and we got our job done, but we had a really good time doing it. And I feel like people don't really realize, you know, that that a library is more than just studying. There's a lot of other things going on in libraries, kids programs and, you know, all sorts of, of things, people getting together and socializing and, you know, learning through different speakers and music programs. And I think there's so much that goes on that is, is different from the library. Even back when I was little, it was, it was just, quieter and more more one-dimensional not that it was ever one-dimensional but more so than it is now well i know for myself working at circulation too it's one of the i guess hazards not really the right word but one of the maybe it's more like a benefit is that you know the people are bringing in books and you kind of get to know the patrons and then you see who has like a similar reading style to you i don't know if this happens to you and you find a lot of new books that way right because Oh, Oh, so-and-so read this book. I got to give it a try. Is that something that you found too, working at Circulation? Absolutely. And I think almost every cookbook that has gone out, I have checked out. (laughs) I think almost without fail. You know, you you kind of flip through the book real quick, you know, just to check for damage before you check it out. And as you're flipping, you're seeing a recipe and you're like, ooh, I can make that for dinner. And then you're sure enough, as soon as they're gone, you're placing it on hold. 
See, my problem, not my problem, but I guess I check it out, but then I never end up making anything. I just end up looking through everything. <laughs> and I show it to other people. <laughs> You're doing research for the future. And, and of course, lots of the kid books too. Um, you know, I, my, my daughter is nine and a half now. So I'm very familiar with everything from, you know, <laughs> from, so she's in fourth grade. So anything really reading level, you know, from newborn to like sixth, seventh grade, like I know all the books <laughs> because she's pretty much read them all. <laughs> You know what I feel like I do that you when you say that I feel like part of me because I mean my kids are older now so I'm kind of out of touch with some of the newer picture books and, and chapter books that have come out. But I feel like I'm constantly shopping now like when book when I'm seeing like books going out like that continue to go out because I like kind of like bookmark them in my head I'm like oh, I'm gonna get this for my nephew for his birthday you know like yeah but like that thing like I feel like I'm constantly it's kind of nice because you can stay on top of the recent titles you see it come in and you're like oh she likes that author let me quick place that on hold <laughs> it's one of the perks absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've been talking with Tara Nunn from the Robbinsville branch. Tara, I am just ecstatic that you took time to talk with us today. It has been absolutely lovely chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books, where we talk about some of the programs that we have coming up at the Mercer County Library. Thanks to Tara Nunn for taking the time to talk to us about her work at the Robbinsville branch and what she does out there and her interesting journey to working at the Mercer County Library system. Uh, Anna, before you get into your programs that you have that you want to let people know about, we want to remind everyone that we are now in the throes of the winter reading program which started earlier this month and will run through January 20th. So as we've said many times on Behind the Books, it's for all ages. We'll have a link in our show notes about how you can sign up for it. Adults, children, teenagers, anybody else, anybody who's interested, make sure you sign up for that winter reading program. Bob, we're heading into the new year. So one of the things that we tend to do in January, it's kind of like a get your act together, new series, new you kind of theme. And we do have a program on Wednesday, January 3rd at one in the afternoon. It's going to be with um, uh, Ricardo Cariosis from the Family and Community Health Sciences Educator for Mercer County. He is going to talk about setting goals for getting movement into your day. And that program is happening again on Wednesday, January 3rd at one in the afternoon. And then uh, later in the month on Wednesday, January 10th at seven in the evening, we are going to be hosting uh, Michaela Alden, who is an associate professor in the history department from the College of New Jersey. She's going to be talking about the significance of black children and the civil rights movement. So she's going to be talking about the Brown versus Board education decision, as well as the death of Emmett Till to talk about um, and examine the contributions of Black children in the early years of the civil rights movement. And again, that is on Wednesday, January 10th at 7 in the evening. And both of those programs are virtual, uh, so you would need to register to get the link to attend. 
And you can go to our website, mcl.org, and click on the events calendar, and that'll get you where you need to be to sign up. We had a lot of great events in 2023, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of great events coming as we head into 2024. Good way to start it off with these ones that we have in January. And I'm also looking forward to our conversation with our author guest this episode. And we'll be right back with our conversation with Greta Kelly. Her newest book, The Queen of Days, was released in late October of this year. Greta, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's start out. I'm going to tell you, probably, you might know this, but Bob and I are kind of fantasy newbies. Like we're still kind of learning oh. our way around the fantasy world. <laughs> Come to the dark side. <laughs> so I wanted to start out if maybe you could just give like the elevator pitch of your book. So the Queen of Days is a heist and hijinks fantasy adventure story about a crew of thieves who team up with a time-eating demon to steal an ancient statue before it can be used to resurrect a fallen god and then pretty much fail at every step along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. If you are devastated that Netflix canceled Shadow and Bone, this is like the thing you should be reading to get over it. <laughs> Something that I had heard was that you had gotten this idea from D and D, and you know I tell you that I'm I'm a newbie to fantasy, but my family plays D and D. We it's something we picked up over the yeah, I know right. <laughs> so I'm like inching my way there. Yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how D and D this this game of D and D that you were playing, this campaign that you were doing, how it played into the story? Yeah. So it was one of those games. I, I've played D&D for, you know, probably almost 10 years now. And my group always comes back to talk about this one game that we played because it was an absolute disaster, but in the most fun way possible. <laughs> so in, in that part of the story, we were like trying to rob a bank. And I don't even remember what we were trying to steal at this point. But everything that could have gone wrong did. Like we were immediately made. We couldn't find the vault. We couldn't open the vault door, which is like typical of D&D. <laughs> and we couldn't get out like the buildings at fire. It was just a, a just a whole disaster, but it was so much fun. Uh, and we laugh about it to this day. But I, I vividly remember driving home from that game thinking if I could just bottle that feeling of chaos and hilarity, it would be golden. And that's kind of where the Queen of Days was born about the Italian gang who just keep rolling natural ones. <laughs> well, and it is a group that when you read through the book, the the characters, like they're such just the way they interact and, and the way that you've kind of developed them. It does make it so that you kind of grow an attachment to each of them. And and it is kind of like you said, there's there's humor in it, but then it's also a, a good story at the same time. Yeah, I love playing with found family tropes. It's probably one of my favorite tropes to play with. But with the uh, with Italian gang, they're all related mostly by blood, but some by marriage. So I was kind of twisting that on its head a little bit. And I'm the youngest of four kids. So I really, and I'm really close with my siblings. And I, I always want to see that more in fiction, those close like sibling relationships being centered. And because it's so much fun and it's so layered and nuanced. I mean, think about it when you're when you're arguing with your sibling, you're never just arguing about the thing that's happening now. You're also arguing about the time that you broke something and blamed your brother. And this is all allegedly, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's just such a like so much layer and so it's just so much fun having that depth of connection with people who have known you from the cradle and even though you're changing do they recognize that you're changing and all that push and pull of of like you know wanting to be part of the family but also wanting to do your own thing is it's just fun to play with there's so many things that you just said there that I want to unpack because because <laughs> I'm one of four as well and <laughs> I tell you what, I mean, we have memories like you will not believe of something that someone did back in 1970, whatever. <laughs> and still like that can be like a turning point at a family gathering where everyone yeah. is just all up in arms about what really happened and who said what, but also how you're talking about the, the polling. I always like compare it to a mobile, right? Like how you like yeah. are trying to change a little bit, but like they kind of swing you back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun writing the character of Mira because of that. She's the little sister of the crew and I'm the youngest. So I like very much like remember wanting so badly to be included with the older kids and like for them to see me as an adult, even though, you know, you're like, well, of course you weren't. <laughs> So I got, was able to like write out a lot of my childhood angst through her. <laughs> well, this was, from what I understand, this was something that um, was started as a draft in NaNoWriMo, right? For mm -hmm. National Novel Writing Month. And I'm always interested to hear um, how that first draft, like that first draft, you know, you just kind of, I feel like authors are just like throwing up, you know, getting it on the paper. <laughs> right. And then, so what's that process then after, I mean, the edits and, and like how much of that meat is left from that initial draft that you made? Surprisingly a fair amount. Um, so when I first did that, you know, 50,000 words in the month of November, I, it was like the very bare bones of what the story would eventually be, but it was most of what ended up being uh, Balthazar's point of view. So his, his chapters changed very little. It was going back later and then adding in uh, Tastiel, who is the queen of days. She also is a point of view character. So figuring out her voice and adding her into the story was um, a bit of a challenge because um, obviously she is the outsider. It's very much the juxtaposition of the family that is Italian gang. And then this time-eating demon who was brought in by their boss and no one really wants her there. And she doesn't really think she wants to be there, but then, you know, figuring out how to get into a character as alien as Tassiel was, was fun, but it was, it was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> so you started off with the, with the warrior, witch witch duology with the frozen crown and the seventh queen. When you knew that you wanted to get into writing, was there something in particular that kind of drew you to, to this genre? Or I always tell Anna, I feel like if you're a writer, you can probably write almost any genre that you wanted. Yeah. So for me, I was actually pretty late coming into like love of reading, I suppose you could say. I'm, I'm dyslexic. So for me, when I was a kid, like learning to read was really, really difficult. So I remember, <laughs> I remember the summer before sixth grade, I just like grabbed the biggest book off my parents' shelf because I was thinking to myself, like, I don't want to be the kid that like can't read in front of the class. I'm just going to do the thing and like rip off the bandaid and just try my best. And that book happened to be gone with the wind. And I hated every word. <laughs> I like rage read through that book. I think Scarlett O'Hara is still my nemesis. <laughs> but it was like just that small act of rebellion was enough for me to realize like okay, if I can hate someone as deeply as an imaginary character like Scarlett O'Hara, certainly there is someone that I will find that I will absolutely love. 
And, um, you know, just by the universe, I, I happened to be the same age as Harry Potter when those books came out. So I found that. And then Sabriel by Garth Nix. I absolutely loved those books. And it just kind of snowballed. And um, like my dad's a big fantasy guy. So when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, that was like a huge deal in my house. And we, we he made us all read the books before we could go see the movies. And you just kind of never look back after that. I mean, what else is there? <laughs> So you're so you're relatively new to the whole writing world with complete with the publishing and the agents and um so I mean what are some of the things that you've kind of learned along the way? Oh gosh, so much. I think I I didn't quite realize when I went into traditional publishing. Um granted I I got my agent back in 2018. Uh Frozen Crown was published in 2021. Very difficult time to be having a book come out. <laughs> but I never could have conceptualized how much marketing I'd have to do on my own. So like learning social media and how to, how to like create your own online presence. It's been a bit of a learning curve, <laughs> but so any writers out in the crowd, it's never too late to start that platform. Start now. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I mean, 2021 was not that long ago, but we've actually had some authors on who said that their book sales and, and people's interest in their books were actually bigger at that time because people were kind of stuck at home and did you find that you kind of maybe caught a few more readers that you might not have had just because people were interested from that hard to tell of course um you know you can't ever play like the the only if game right. <laughs> to kind of but I think a lot of people knowing just from my debut group um I had a really great debut class of authors we all got onto this Facebook group together and like offer support to each other. Like the only good thing that has ever come out of Facebook probably. <laughs> but I think we all kind of had this, this question about are people reading new books by new authors or are they reading books by authors that they've loved for a long time as like comfort reads? And I think a lot of it's just luck of the draw. I mean, you know, everyone publishing is not a meritocracy. The books that get super popular are not always the best ones. And sometimes you know, sometimes things hit, sometimes things miss. The Frozen Crown had a pretty, pretty good um, launch, I thought, all things considered. Um, so yeah, just keep looking forward. There's no no point in looking to the past. <laughs> There's so much like that in the humanities, right? Like it's not yeah. always the best things <laughs> that get the awards and whatever. So wait, I want to back up. So you had a Facebook group mm -hmm. of all debut uh, how did, who stopped, how? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure who exactly started it. Um, I know my little pocket of sci-fi fantasy included like some, some of my dear friends now, J.S. Dewis, who just recently came out with Rubicon, uh, Genevieve Gornachek of The Witch's Heart, um, H.M. Long, who just came out with Dark Water Daughter and M.J. Kuhn of Among Thieves. We're like, good friends now in real life. So it's really translated. We do like Comic-Con events together and we're hoping to like, do our own little retreat sometime this year. So yeah, it's it's been really great. And it's such an odd business that having other people who like understand that it makes no sense, but this is just the ride that we're on has been really, really wonderful. <laughs> well, we've been talking with Greta Kelly about her most recent release, The Queen of Days, as well as just writing and publishing in general. Uh, again, Greta, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Greta Kelly for taking the time to talk to us 
about her writing career and her latest book, The Queen of Days. Uh, Anna, I really enjoyed that conversation with her. And, and I know, uh, as we were saying, you know, she's a relatively new author, but uh, I really liked when she was telling us about how, like, she had that little community group of other authors and they kind of supported each other. That was pretty, pretty cool to find out that they could do that for each other. Well, and that those relationships have continued. I mean, that's kind of someone who is her support group. I mean, outside of others, I'm sure she has, but I did think that was one of the more unique uh, support groups that we had heard about this debut Facebook group that had been started and that she was a part of. I think it's, I liked, I liked her, her story about um, her D and D campaign about how everything was going wrong. Like they couldn't, they were rolling ones. They couldn't do anything. Um, and for anyone who does not play D&D, when you roll a one, usually that is not good. So oh, I thought it was great that she took that idea and how she talked about that feeling that she had, which I really loved because I've been in that situation, not with D&D necessarily, but we have a feeling that you just want to be able to bottle that and share that with others and that she took this book to uh, be the vessel for that. It's funny because when we talked to her, I was about halfway through the book and I've finished it since we talked to her and it's... um. It is interesting hearing it, knowing that she said that, and you can kind of see like everything goes wrong for these people and they, they kind of, I don't want to give anything away, but it was just the way she described it was really good. And, uh, and in our conversation with Tara Nunn, that was another good one. I liked how uh, we were talking to her about what she does at the library and she brought up being a notary as one of the things that she does. And that led us off on a tangent of a whole bunch of interesting things that we found out about her. Oh my gosh, I loved that finding out all this, um, like the law degree and and the police academy. But the thing that sticks out with me with the conversation with Tara um, was how close she was to libraries throughout her life, whether it was in school or in even in when she was getting her advanced degrees. Um, how it followed her when she was a parent. And, you know, I loved how she said she went to every library she could find because I felt like I did the same thing with my kids, just getting them out to any library anywhere. Um, and then she ends up working at the Robbinsville branch. So I just, I thought that was just this lovely foreshadowing um, with her story. Exactly. It felt like, and I think we even mentioned this to her about no matter where, what she was doing, she always kind of had the library within reach and, and then yeah. ended up doing that. So that was really great. So Anna, two great conversations. I really enjoyed our conversations with Greta and Tara. It was a great way to close out 2023. I think we'll have a lot of good things in store for our listeners in 2024 as we move forward. I uh, hope you have a great last few days of the year and uh, looking forward to what's next. Once again, we do want to thank Greta Kelly as well as Tara Nunn for taking time to talk to us. And we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year, and we will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.